Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. Hey, Ryan. Sorry about that. No, no I problem. Opened, I got the dreaded. Um, <laughs> you getting a Windows update? You can restart now, or we'll restart you automatically in five minutes. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> love starting my morning that way. Nothing better. Oh, no, nothing worse. Nothing, nothing worse. You know, I used to, um, back when in the UK, I used to set up a whole lot of things to run overnight. And um, I used to come in in the morning expecting to see the results of what I'd worked on. Instead, I would see a blank desktop because Windows had decided to update by itself and um, basically screwed the pooch. So not only did all the stuff that I thought I'd save get lost, but all the progress that I would make in the sleeping hours was also gone. So I actually became quite anxious. I used to sit there, used to check my computer about 10 times before bed to make sure that everything was still running, it was still doing things, et cetera. But still, must be like two o'clock in the morning or something would happen. It used to kill me. Yeah, I mean, but, that's that's frustrating when you need it to be running to do other things, not just save your workspace. Yeah, yeah. But um, I uh, I don't have that problem anymore. Uh, I made the, the ultimate fix. How is this, is it time for a Mac update? Do you have any uh, Mac updates? <laughs> well, I mean, as you might have, um, well, I, I can tell you a few things that I've been working on. So um, I, I'm very impressed and I actually, I'm very curious to know what you, when you do the recording on this, um, what, uh, what the sound quality is like, because I've now, to, I've updated all my devices to iOS 15. Um, it's a little bit buggy. Uh, little things here and there aren't, aren't perfect. Um, it says there's notifications when there aren't any notifications, you know, little, that little badge. But but so far, so good. Um, but uh, it's it's definitely an improvement. Uh, I find now I'm using my iPad a lot more. Um, the original multitasking that came on iOS wasn't great on the, on the iPad. It was very difficult to put screens next to each other. Uh, but now they've got these three little buttons at the top um, of the screen and you click on that with your finger, press that with your finger, not click. Um, and it gives you the choice of where, how do you want the screen to be? Do you want to, do you want to share screen? Do you want to make it into the little, little bar that, that, that floats or do you want it to be full screen? And that works like a charm. Um, the only, the only thing that's frustrating is that if I want to do our call now and have my notes next to the screen, you don't see the camera. It turns the camera off, and I don't know. I don't know if that's a Teams thing or if that's a an Apple thing. So I'm I'm going to do some some testing out with Zoom because I think it's I think I'm going to move away from Teams. I find that also a frustrating experience, um, and see if that doesn't improve things. But other than that, um, what I've been doing with automation is I've been setting up a whole bunch of rules with um, with Hazel. Which is, a, which is a file system automation. So that's now 
on my Mac, automatically moving things around and reclassifying them, retagging them, etc. Um, because I, I tend to have lots of little projects um, that's very easy to get confused by, and 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 you know that includes customer work and consulting and all that kind of stuff. So now I've got that all sorting itself out in the background, which is um, what you know that's the kind of stuff I was trying to do on you know with my Windows device. Now you know Hazel just does that stuff. It's a little bit quirky to to set it up. It's not it's not exactly um, a logical flow uh, to begin with, but um, so far so good. All my music's organized, all my PDFs are organized, all my PowerPoint slides are organized by customer. So there's a quite a lot of, um, I mean, you've obviously got to do a bit to make it work. Like you, like if I'm writing a document for a customer, I've got to put the customer's name in the document. But that's just good, good hygiene anyway. Um, and that's been cleaning things up. Um, the other thing that I've been working with a lot is Notion. Uh, Notion and Zapier. Uh, so I've got a few flows that are now running with Zapier, uh, so for example, when you and I record this this episode, it'll save to a folder. Hazel will pick up the thing and move it to another folder. Um, when it does that movement, it creates the episode in in, um, in Notion. So that was the old that that was the first edition. Now what happens is when you do your work and you put the stuff back in the folder, Hazel picks it up and moves it around. It does the translations, put those in a folder. And then once we are ready to publish the episode, there's a whole bunch of zaps that run, including updating Notion tables and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's reduced my, you know, we did an episode with, with Zoltan. Um, it was so weird because I actually didn't have to go and do anything. And I had this weird like stress that I hadn't done something. And then I went and checked and all the, all the zaps had run. So I was like, oh, well then there's the only thing I have to do is check the zaps run, which takes about two minutes. Um, but it used to take me about two hours throughout the day because you've got to wait for this thing to happen and wait for this thing to happen. And once that's done, then you can only do this. Um, oh, the only thing I haven't done is gone and press the email send because I, I didn't want emails to send out blindly. So what happens is it creates the email in MailChimp to send out the notification. But I want to go and check that before it sends. That's the only thing I have to do manually, which I think is fantastic. I, I press the publish button. Um, and I think that's... You need to have some manual steps. Mm. Some human oversight in the process. Yeah. How do you, I'm curious, how do you, I guess, you know, that workflow that has steps, obviously Zapier has, um, you know, their set of things that they integrate with, but how do you, when you're looking at your workflow, how do you find opportunities for automation? Because I, I've noticed this theme of of automating things away in some of the you know articles that we've been sending back and forth lately, people finding ways to you know cut down on their some of the busy work in their workday yeah. by uh, setting up automations. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that that exact example. So so I've actually been working on a thing with Notion and shortcuts, um, where because what happens. For everyone else's benefit is you and I will read something, um, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. So the other thing which I've done is I've activated my my Apple News subscription. Um, now, when Apple News first came out, I thought it was a lot of crud, um, but I, I, for some reason I clicked on it the one day and I was and I was reading through some articles and I was like, actually, this is actually not so bad, and and I happened to be reading it on my iPad Pro. Now, the only reason I say that is because of the land, the real estate of the screen. Um, and I actually had it in a vertical thing. I thought, you know what? This is actually pretty cool. This is actually a good way to get news. Because um, I'm so sick and tired of trying to find news. 
Um, and usually what happens is it arrives in my email or there's some app that I'm using that, that, spits, that, that pops it up as a notification. But this is actually quite a pleasant experience to sit and read the thing. So, so what, what I was leading into is that, that, that now when I, when I read something or, or you read something, we, we kind of share it with each other over iMessage. Now, the problem with that is it doesn't put it into Notion. So we don't actually keep track. So it becomes very, very difficult to remember what if we actually shared with each other? Because, I mean, obviously you can check the list in, in, in iMessage. Um, but if you want to make notes on it, then you've got to go and copy the link out and put it into Notion and make notes or however you want to do it. But that's how I want to do it. Um, and then it's, it's, it's tricky to remember what if we actually discussed and not discussed because obviously iMessage shows no statuses. So I've been looking at, I've been watching two YouTube videos on how you can set up the integration between um, a shortcut. So, so my idea is that when I see an article that I like through, through a shortcut on iOS, I will say, send this to Heather. But at the same time as sending it to Heather, it's going to go and put it into the Notion table and tag it that it's come from my thing. So, so you can still get it in your iMessage, you can still read it on your phone, but then there's still the entry in Notion because what we do obviously is link that to the episode when we actually talk about it. Um, so I've been playing with that and, and that's led me down the, down the route of, of where are shortcuts right now. And, and that's a, another thing that um, I really don't think Windows has an answer to yet. Um, or Microsoft at, at least. Uh, I mean, the, the argument would be, well, we've got Power Automate which has got a desktop component. Um, and you can just go and do whatever you want. You know, you can set up a screen record and go click on a whole bunch of things and it'll work. And that does work. But I think that still feels like for a lot of people, like way too techy. Um, whereas a shortcut uh, is pretty, you know, I mean, as the name says, you know, drag a few things on, link them together, and you pretty much got a thing working. Um, but they are very simple. And, and I, I'm curious to see how those things will develop over time. And there is talk that shortcuts will be deployed into the Mac OS system, so onto your laptops and desktops, um, based on the success of it being on the, um, the iOS devices. Oh, sorry, mm -hmm. I, didn't answer, I didn't answer your question. Sorry. So you said, how do I, how do I decide on these things? Well, mm -hmm. usually with, with all these things, it's, it's a pain. It's a frustration. Um, and, and it's a case of knowing that there's, there's gotta be a better way. Now, what the better way is, I don't know. Um, but you know, if, if I was walking into a business that had, um, a business process problem and, and there was a general, you know, you, you want there to be an appetite for some, for, for change. The first step you do is you, is you map it out. Now I didn't map out any of these processes because I do them all the time and I, and I kind of, kind of know what they, what they feel like. Um, the reason why you map them out is typically because you have more than one person involved. So, so a lot of the stuff that I've been automating is personal stuff. So it's, it's easy, but, and, and where it touches yourself, for example, I just, I just tell you, Hey, listen, in this step of the process, you need to do X. So, so if you, as long as you do that, that, that step, which, which I always try to make it as, as little as possible, which co could be moving the episode from one status to another status, that the process will work. And you can obviously build in, flows that cater for problems and errors. But, but the, the way I do it is I work backwards. So I go, okay, I want to, the goal for me is to, to reduce my time on, on publishing the episode. So what is costing me the most time from, from the end backwards? And then I'll work from that um, direction and it gives me, you know, and, I, and I'll find the tools that help me do it. So, you know, some of this is research, some of this is listening to other podcasts, but I'll figure out that, you know, um, 
I know the tools that I like to use and then I'll find the connection. So Zapier is something I've looked at for years, but never really pulled the trigger on. Um, and, and what happened is I basically got to the point that I was so frustrated. I thought, well, let me try one. Let me see how easy it is to build something. And I built something very stupid. Um, I think I was sending emails to someone that I wanted to irritate. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that took me about 15 minutes to build. And I thought, you know what? This is really cool. And I've been, I've been playing with Power Automate um, before that. And I found that really terrible um, to build something with. And in comparison, Zapier was like, you know, that aha moment. Um, and that's how it starts. And then once you start doing it, then you start looking at everything you do and you say, well, can I automate this? Can I automate that? Um, just to reduce time. Do you think, um, have you ever, you know, any of the, the places where you've worked, has anyone been, you know, responsible for overseeing, um, you know, the creation of things like that? Is this a new job role, potentially some sort of like automation specialist that would help, you know, that would consult with different teams in the organization and figure out how to like make those efficiency improvements because it strikes me that there's a lot of utility in this and there are more and more tools that make it easier to do but it is very much like um the burden on the individual to figure it out find the tool you know connect things together um when it really seems like something that could be maybe an it's wheelhouse or you know some other technology group yeah you, you typically would hear it as a as a lean person's coming in someone that's doing Lean Six Sigma or, or you know, a black belt or, or it'd probably be a black belt first. That's like your, your most senior rank. Um, so, and, and, and this will come out of manufacturing and, and production. So um, a lot of the, a lot of those areas are always looking for efficiencies and, and optimization. So they will follow Lean Six Sigma, which is, which is the, the most common framework. There's probably other ones. I don't know all of them, but I remember, you know, working in, in a bank and, and hearing about a team that was walking around trying to find efficiencies. When I worked for a, a software company called Global 360, which was bought by OpenText, we used to do um, our own sort of analysis framework uh, using some tools that we developed. Um, and, and, it, and it was as basic as taking a Visio diagram uh, using the BPMN notation, which is, which is an accepted notation, and drawing out the business process. Now, the tool we built, which was really cool, um, would allow you to simulate that process. So if you think about, um, and we were focusing on core business processes. So this is things like invoice to billing, uh, contract to billing, um, accounts payable, et cetera. Those things that if you don't do them properly and quickly, will cost, will shut the business down. Um, and what we could do with the simulation is we could give you scenarios to say, well, if you have more people processing invoices, you can you can cut your time down from 90 days to 30 days or seven days or whatever. And your cost of an invoice might go from uh, $50 to $100, but your time has come down. Um, if we give you less people, but more, we use more automation, we might bring the cost of the invoice down to $12 per invoice. And you, um, you know, you'll have um, seven, 70% of the people still, or whatever the thing is. And you, you basically play with the different variations and scenarios until you get to the process that, that the company, the business wants. And you're like, yeah, that's our process. And then the other piece of technology was to take that process you designed in Visio, export it into the workflow tool, and now you start wiring up all the screens and stuff. And there was a quite a lot there around, um, and it was all based on Lean Six Sigma con concepts, you know, uh, shift, shift left, which is to have the cheapest resource do the 
do the work than the more expensive one. And to, and, and that often would be the, the machine doing the work as opposed to a human and then giving the right information at the right time. So there are, there are roles for that. And, and, and you're seeing that now in, in, in a new concept, and I said in a very common, which is RPA, uh, robotic mm-hmm. process automation. Um, and that's, and that is the premise that, uh, and where this has matured a bit from when I was doing this probably 20 years ago is, is the screen scraping sort of application, which is to say, instead of integrating two applications using web services or, or data transfers or whatever it is, you go and train a RPA agent, which is, which is, uh, you know, for want of a better term, a machine to click on the right things in a box. Uh, on the screen in order to process an invoice. So they'll go suck the invoice out of out of um, an email, which is an attachment. They'll do some sort of OCR or ICR of the, of the invoice. Then that information will be posted into the accounting system and you've removed the human from doing that. Um, now, that that kind of tooling is, is, is quite effective uh, and, is, and it specifically works well in the finance world where you are dealing with very structured things. Um, not, to, not structured in the sense that it's a, an Excel spreadsheet structure, but it's a invoice where information is usually in the same places. So you're doing zonal scanning to, to look for it in the certain places. Um, and you're pulling out the metadata and, you, and you're putting it into, into the database. Where, where it doesn't work, uh, where you still need the humans, is um, when you need to make some decisions where the, where the rules aren't clear. So um, let's say, for example, you're, you're processing court, court documents for evidence. Um, you might need to make a decision around what is actually going to be captured in that case versus general, or I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to do an example in my head right now. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a space that that you hear of. Oh, no space. Um, it's definitely a a technology area you hear a lot about, and a lot of use cases for uh, with with good returns. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Now I need to look into. RPA more. But yeah, as you say, I think it seems like, um, you know, the more, um, the less standardized, the more, you know, creative the process, they're still, still harder to, um, find really good automation solutions. I know you sent that article about automating, um, software development. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to discuss that one a bit. Before we jump on that, I mean, the other thing mm-hmm. to mention is I did a, a webinar with, with Azuro. Um, I think it was in July. I think we've released it recently, which we'll share as well. And that actually shows the example of an invoice being picked up from email, uh, the, the actual RPA doing what it does and processing it into an accounting system. Um, it's obviously a very basic example, but it, it just proves out the concept. Um yeah, so on the article, uh, let me just get it up quickly. Yeah, this was a Wired article. AI can write code like humans, bugs and all. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So so this probably tied up with the GTP3 um, project that's been running. Uh, I'm trying to remember when I read this article. Um, here we go. Yeah, no, and this one came out of Apple News for me. <laughs> um yeah, so, so this is interesting because um, one of the frustrations that, that we all have, and I say we all, I'm talking about the, 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 the developers, is that often the problem is not that difficult, and all you want to do is spit out the code really quickly. Um, so what they did here um, is they did 
a project where they looked at GitHub and they sucked in all the data out of GitHub. And I think they did went to Stack Trace as well. Not Stack Trace. Might have been Stack Trace. And from that, they, a Stack Overflow. Sorry, I was reading the article as we talk. And they were able to generate the most common code samples um, using AI. Uh, so a bit of machine learning and, and a bit of recognition and stuff like that. Uh, and they called it co-pilots. So this was a um, uh, this is a, a bolt-on to to GitHub. Now, where this is interesting is that when you're working with a developer, when you when you're writing code as a developer, often you know what you want to do, and you run into a, a, a brick wall on, on trying to solve the problem. So you go find you go Google the solution, and you'll end up finding code that matches what you're trying to do. And it's usually something along the lines is I want to do some sort of string string manipulation, or I want to do something with an API, something asynchronously, and I, and I can't get it to work. So what you know what has everyone else done? And and then what will happen is you know the good developers will take what they see, and and understand it and transition it into their their program, um, but it won't be a copy and paste. A bad developer will copy and paste it into their thing. They'll get it. They'll hack it together to get it to work, and they have no idea how it worked, but they got it to work, and then they'll move on. Um, both of them, both of those, those paths will get a result. The problem comes in is that when that thing breaks for whatever reason, and someone has to come and fix it, if they don't understand how it works, that's where you have problems. That's where maintainability becomes an issue. So the idea behind using AI in this case, which, which makes sense is you can, um, generate the code from all these examples which is, it's, and it's, it's very similar to, say, transcribing a, a conversation between us right now. Someone will still have to go through it and clean it up, but you're cutting down the amount of work that you need to do. Because sometimes it's, it's the biggest problem with, with writing code is you've got to do so much stuff around what you want to do, um, almost the, 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 the framework. Um, so if I want to build a web page with 10 fields on it, um, you know, building the page and, and, and doing the 10 fields, it's not really, it's, it's not difficult to do, but it's just a pain in the ass because there's so many things you have to do in order to, to deliver it. You really want to get into the, the, the meaty stuff. And, and that's where you're going to break. I think this is going to be great because if you can generate the framework and the base of your application and the developer only has to work on the business logic that's critical, you're going to, you're going to cut down the development time by like 80%. Yeah, definitely seems like a really powerful tool. Um, I guess one of the things that struck me about Copilot, which is the the name of the plugin, um, uh, the article talks about a a developer who's used it, and I just thought it was interesting that um, so when when catching those errors, you know, when auditing um and and finding the things that it didn't quite get right, um, mm. it's a little bit harder to to do because I, I don't know if it's quite because the it's not writing it like a it's not thinking about it in terms of human logic or because, you know, when you're coding, I think people have my understanding is people have some sort of, you know, their own style, you know, ways, ways that they write and then common problems that they catch in their own work. So because you're looking over an AI's um, code instead of you know, your own, that it's harder to catch those problems. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, it could be quite invasive. Um, but the idea is that and I'm not exactly sure how it works. I'd, I'd actually love to give it a go. 
But if, you, if you're writing code to do something and it starts picking up what you're doing and it starts filling in the gaps for you, almost like recommendations, uh, it probably is recommendations, you said. So you, you want to build so. a data, database connection. Here's, here's how you use um, what's it called entity framework to build it. It'll go generate all the things you need to go and generate. And all you're really doing is, is, is cleaning up the mess. Um, that's, that's awesome. I would love that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a very powerful thing. Well, cool. Do you need to, do you need to tie up for the day? Yeah, I just need to sort something out. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. Nice talking to you, Ryan. Cheers, Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.